it's been a while since I've uh, posted anything or talked about anything. Um, but today I want to talk about seduct- seduction, but the type of people that seduce other people. You know, seduction is something that Freud um, removed from all of his work. It's called the seduction theory. Um, he removed this big chunk of his work. Um, and I think that's really interesting because I think that that was his own resistance to something that he either experienced or, you know, I think it like overwhelmed him. It's called the seduction theory. So I want to talk about that because I think it's something that was never really discussed very early on when Freud was the original psychoanalyst. You know, he's the creator of psychoanalysis, and um, <clears throat> I think he had his own resistance to seduction and the seduction theory. But the thing that I've learned is the type of people that seduce other people. I'm not talking about being romantic or being loving. That's not seduction. I'm talking about seduction people that seduce other people are typically sociopaths. And I'm going to say that again. People that are seductive and use seduction as a tool are sociopaths. And they use seduction as a tool to seduce you. And these are the tools that they use. And I I highly recommend that you pay attention to these tools. You really study these tools because it will help save you or get you out of really dangerous and unhealthy situations, whether it be a potential marriage or a relationship. These are things that I wish I knew when I was young, particularly like a teenager. I wish someone sat me down and said, look, this is what you look need to look for. This is the, the tools to look for in a dangerous person. I didn't have that as a child growing up, and I wish I had, because I could have avoided, you know, heartbreaks and bad relationships or bad friendships and just trauma. I could have avoided certain trauma because if someone would have explained this to me, I would have been like, oh, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. But instead, I'm going to use what I've learned and I'm going to educate other people so that they can avoid experiencing trauma or experiencing bad breakups. And I highly recommend that you heed my advice. So these are tools that sociopaths use to seduce you. Number one, compulsive lying. They're compulsive liars and they tell you what you want to hear. That's a big one. And that's one thing that, you know, they usually love bomb you and tell you what you want to hear. And it's delicious, like delicious to your ears. But that's also a red flag. A normal, healthy person does not lie to you and tell you what you want to hear. They give their opinion. Number two, 
they portray a fake persona. They are who you want them to be. The fake person. They they portray who you want them to be. So they'll be like, yeah, I I love this too, or I enjoy this too. It's all fake. It's all fake and phony. It's all lies. Number three, they mirror you. And mirroring is something that I didn't understand and I learned through studying psychoanalysis. They, they mirror your behavior. They mirror, they, you know, the extreme sociopaths will even mirror how you look. They'll start, start wearing their hair like yours. And some people just will, will like, like your haircut or they'll like your new lipstick. That's not a sociopath. That's just someone that likes what you, what you have. I'm talking about like they will mirror you in terms of they will copy you. They will copy you. And this is something that I experienced or I just noticed in going through like photos. You know, I had this friend and, you know, I came across this photo and I was like, oh, you know, I, I noticed the, this sweater. It had like kind of fur at the top and I like... I didn't look at the face or the head. I just quickly looked at the outfit because I remember like this is an outfit that I loved and it was like this black sweater with fur at the top. It was white or black dress pants and these beautiful pumps that I had purchased. And I bought these pumps for this gala in New York City. And I had memories of all these different um, items that I was wearing. But I had to do like a double take when I looked at this photo because the person in the photo was not me. It was a friend of mine. And that's what was like a little eerie. Like it it, it gave me like a double take. Like, wait, who, wait, what? Who is this? Because this person had replicated my exact wardrobe, not wardrobe, but very specific items that I had spent you know, my pumps were from this gala that I went to. And the sweater was from this Christmas party that I went to. Um, and so she had purchased the exact same items. And it was really, really bizarre for me to see this on her. Because I spend a lot of time picking out and shopping You know, because I look at trends. You know, I work in fashion, so I'm looking at trends. And it's it wasn't one of those moments where it was like flattering. It was like, wait a minute, like I thought this was me in the photo. You know, just glancing at the outfit. And then when I looked at the face and the head, I was like, whoa, this is really strange. That's what I mean by like they they'll mirror you, they will copy you. They will, over time, they will take on your persona, your identity. You know, there's the saying that, and I'm going to look this up here, um, because I want to get it correct. Um, Let's see here. Where is it? There's the saying. Here it is. 
I want you to remember this. Happy people create their own happiness. It comes from within. Happiness is an inside job. Happiness is a happy mind. It's a happy spirit. It's a happy soul. A person that is happy is satisfied by the little things in life. You know, they're the people that are like, oh, it's a beautiful day out. The sun is shining. You know those people? Or they'll be like, oh, you know, look at the the leaves are out. Or, oh, that flower just bloomed. That's like, they notice these little beautiful things in life. And they don't cost anything. They're not buying happiness. They're these little things that people just notice and it makes them happy and it's free. And these happy people, they have a solid identity. They know who they are and they're just genuinely happy. They're happy little souls. But here's the difference. Here's the contrast. Unhappy people see happy people and they want that. They want that happiness and they, an unhappy person will try to take the happiness from the happy person. They, they'll try to buy it, whether it's an outfit, they'll try to get the same outfit, the same hairstyle, the same shoes, the same sweater. The unhappy person has an insatiable appetite. They want what the other person has. And they can't always explain what that is. They just want it. And they will take it and then they will try to seek to destroy the the person that had it because they want it for themselves. And these people, they don't, the, the, the takers, they don't have their own identity. They don't have their own unique identity. They want yours. They want your identity. So there's this cartoon where it's like this little character that's holding a jar of, and, and on the jar it says happiness. And this little cute little character is holding this jar of happiness. And then there's this other character that says to the, the, the person holding the jar of happiness, where did you find that? I've been searching for it everywhere. And the character holding the jar of happiness says, I created it myself. It's such a great visual. It's such a great visual of like happy and unhappy people. So going back to the sociopath, they mirror you. They copy you. They're they're con artists. They're scamming you to try to take your happiness, your happy spirit, whatever, you know, this happy thing that's inside of you. They want it. So they will give you, here's another thing, empty promises. I have this friend and I I think I've shared this story before. You know, she always told me that she was going to, you know, go to Italy and bring back this wallet as a gift for me. And so she would use that wallet as a, oh, I'm going to Italy. I'm going to bring you back this Prada wallet. And so 
because she was always saying she was going to give me a gift. I then would give her something like, oh, I have to retaliate. I have to give her something. And so I would give her like, you know, a little bracelet or I'd give her like some perfume, but I'd always give it to her first. And I realized over time, I was always waiting for that damn wallet for years. And and yet I was like, she'd always say, yeah, I'm going to Italy this weekend. I'll bring back that wallet. And so then I'd give her something. Like I always felt like I had to give her something like this exchange. Like I felt she made me feel like I owed her something. And I never did get the wallet. I was being scammed. And that's what it is, an empty promise. They're empty promises. Sometimes they will give you lavish gifts. You know, this. I've had friends that I really are clearly sociopaths, I can honestly say now. They, they'll give you a gift, but then they'll give you the gift, but then they want something in return. Like this friend invited me to fly and stay with her for the weekend. And I did. And in my mind, I was just staying with a friend. I paid for my flight. And, you know, I was just, I just wanted to spend time with my friend. That's it. There's no, you know, we, we would buy each other lunch or we'd pay for drinks or, you know, that type of thing. But there was always at the end there was a payoff she'd always either the very this is a pattern that I noticed at the very beginning or at the very end she you had to give her something and and you're the guest you're the guest in her house and I remember like the last trip that I when I went to visit her I flew to see her and it was a thousand dollar plane ticket it was like a $200 car service to get me to the airport there and back but at the end of the trip she wanted me to buy her and ship to her sets of sheets bedding and so it was always this like transactional relationship that just felt wrong it felt off and that's where like you get into these transactional relationships this is what they do and or they'll shower you with attention and false compliments or they'll bombard you and they'll take all of your time I mean I I have this other person that just used used to bombard me with phone calls and then once you're on the phone call this person would bombard you with all of her problems And I just reached a point where I'm like, nope. And I wouldn't answer the phone. Because I learned, you know, over time that this person was really sucking my energy. She's sucking my life for They're like vampires. They're, you know, they they seduce you to get something from you. So that's where you have to be really careful. It feels very, very... When you really step back and you reflect, it feels like a con artist. That's really what they are. 
and they present themselves as they mirror you and that's the tool that's the hook they mirror you and you immediately like them because they're you who wouldn't like themselves <laughs> that's the hook and that's the thing it goes back to like the little character holding the jar of happiness you know they're not happy you may be very happy and content but when you let one of these little fucking monsters in your life trust me on this over time you're not going to be happy because they're going to take and take and take and take and take and they're going to chip away at you that's what they do and you're going to be sitting there going where did my happiness go well they took it they took it from you they chipped away at you so you have to get it back these false compliments showering you with attention empty promises lavish gifts being helpful being the perfect person these fake personas this compulsive lying mirroring you love bombing you it's all fake it's all fake and this is something too that i've learned or i've noticed so i have this this one you know it's like we have our viewpoint of ourselves we have positive qualities but we also have negative qualities everyone and people that don't want to see their own negative qualities they're the ones that are trouble because you know it's i can honestly look at myself and say yeah i i'm a good person i do good things but i can also be a raging bitch at times that's what i'm talking about i recognize that in myself i can be really bitchy if you wake me up really early in the morning i'm cranky i don't like to be woken up or if i'm taking a nap i will be cranky if you wake me up cuz i enjoy napping i enjoy my sleep but i am able to see that part of myself but you know with sociopaths and with certain narcissists they're not able to see that negative side to themselves because they don't self reflect so and that's the thing that i've noticed too is the bad things that they do they blame everyone else or they use denial which is a very primitive defense and so that's why it's it's always like a huge head trip when you try to call out a sociopath or a narcissist like this is what you did this is how you made you fe- made me feel and they gaslight you and it's a head trip it's like fighting with a toddler because that's really where they are they are psychologically they're like a toddler you know toddler if you've ever had an argument with a toddler it's the same thing now i didn't susie did it you know they blame whoever's closest to them cuz they're not able to take responsibility a toddler is not able to intellectually self reflect and say yeah i stole this piece of gum at the store or you know 
I have like little funny stories of my nieces and nephews when, when they were like little kids and that, that just kind of popped in my head. These little toddlers, they're, they're funny. They're funny little monsters at times. But when you're dealing with a sociopath or a narcissist, these are full-size adults. They're adults. But their behaviors are still like a toddler. And so they're scheming. They're not like upfront people. They're scheming. When, when a person mirrors you, you honestly think that you're getting to know the person and you, and you love that person, but they're mirroring you. So you don't really know who that other person is until over time, the, their mirroring mask starts slipping or they start slipping up or they start messing up and, you, and then you start seeing like who they really are. And that's when it's like, whoa, who are you? You see this with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Johnny Depp says this line. He says, I never knew you. You were like this fake, like pers- I don't remember the exact words, but he says, you know, you're like this fake persona that I created. I really think that she probably mirrored him in the beginning. Amber Heard clearly is a sociopath. Johnny Depp has some addiction issues, obviously. You know, the, the abusive people bring out the worst in you because they're abusive. But Amber Heard is, is she's being caught in a whole slew of lies. They, they love bomb you and they reel you in with that love bombing only to later abuse you. That's the tactic. When you see this, when you experience it, it's really difficult because it, it's cognitive dissonance. Because your mind, you know, loved the original person, but that original person never really existed because that original person was you, you know, going back to like my sweater and my shoes and my pants, that original person was me being mirrored back to me. If that person would have dressed in her style, I probably wouldn't have really liked her. And they know that that's why they mirror you. You know, it goes back to Freud and the seduction theory. You know, I really believe that people that seduce everyone, I believe that they were seduced as a child. And, you know, Freud removed the seduction theory from all of his work. And, you know, he, Freud said that, you know, children made up all these Um, sexual assault, that it was a fantasy. I don't believe that. I don't believe it's a fantasy. I think these things really happen to people. I think people 
as adults experienced a lot of sexual trauma as children. Number one crime in the United States is sexual abuse. And it's typically from someone in the family, whether it's an uncle, an aunt, you know, a father, a mother, it's always someone in the family. And in my personal opinion, I think that the child was, that was seduced as a child ends up becoming the seducer. That's what I think. It's like the, it's the, they're a product of incest. It's in, incest seduction they were seduced as a very young child so as an adult they go around seducing everyone because that's how they learned they were taught that and when you look at it that way it becomes very dark very quickly but it also becomes very gross when you look at it that way like oh the person that seduced me was seduced as a girl or a boy that makes it really gross and you want that person to immediately get away from you I mean if that's not a wake up call I don't know what is because they're creeping on you like they were creeped on part of the seduction theory Floyd tossed it out there's a lot of psychoanalysts that have written about this the seduce becomes a seducer it's like with pedophiles the the pedophile was sexually abused as a child and whatever the age the pedophile was sexually abused that's the age of the child that they're going after so for example catholic priests and i'm going to go there so if i piss off a lot of people too bad because this is actually happening so if you don't agree wake up um catholic priests there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them that have abused children and they're the way that it works is an adult that abuses a child at that age so if a, if a catholic priest is going after a, say a 6-year-old that priest was sexually abused when he was 6 that's how it works So they're they're trying to it's called the repetition compulsion. The person that is an adult, they're trying to um repeat they're trying to repeat the trauma, but they're also in a way trying to heal the trauma. They just don't know how to go about it the right way. And so when you have a sociopath and they're seducing you, you know they're they're really being destructive and if you're not aware of this behavior if you don't really know what's happening you can severely be injured you can severely be abused you can severely be tormented these people can destroy your life 
And in the beginning, you're blind to it. You're not aware of this. You see it as flattery or this person really likes you. You know, sociopaths usually come on very strong. And for some people, they enjoy it. Other people, it can be really off-putting. And I'm, I'm telling you this right now, it should be off-putting based on what I just explained. Because these people will say or do anything to seduce you. And this is something to look at. They, they look at you with this predatory stare, almost as if you're like a piece of meat. And they're like an animal in the wilderness, like a cheetah. It's, this, it's called the predatory stare. And the person's, their objective is to make themselves appealing to you. They want to make themselves appealing to you. And it's not coming from their heart. This is not love. This is not pure. This is seduction. It's very much like what the Bible talks about, that the devil does. The devil seduces. The devil is not love. This is a premeditated, calculated move. And it's what he does or she does that makes him or her appealing. And they do whatever they need to do to make you want them. You know, they'll be overly attentive. They'll shower you with attention. They'll tell you how wonderful you are. They will pile on the affection, bombarding you with love. But it's not love at all. They will charm you. They'll say the right words to seduce you. It's all made up lies. You know, they'll say that they'll take care of you. They'll look after you. You know, in the seduction stage, these people are so attentive. You think that you've met the most wonderful person on the planet. You've met the love of your life. Fast forward to two years and you've met a demon. And that's exactly how they feel. They feel like a a demon. And it's so hard to get rid of them. They, you know, initially they make you feel happy. They make you feel like you're on cloud nine and it becomes almost like you're addicted to them. And that's because you are. Your mind becomes addicted to these people like your mind becomes addicted to like a drug. That's what this love bombing does. You know, some of your friends will be suspicious or your family members will, you know, will be suspicious. And that's because they're sensing something's off. You don't see the other side of this person until later on. And that's the jealousy, the paranoia, the rage. You know, they're deceptive and they're manipulative. 
They shower you with love and false compliments. And the reason that sociopaths are successful is because they mimic true love. They don't feel it, they fake it. And they use these manipulative tools to reel in people. And if you've ever seen someone or if you've known someone that has gone through this, there's like a before and after photo. The person, what they look like before they experienced a sociopath and then after, what they look like after they've been with a sociopath. It's like the life force has been sucked out of them. Because they, they, they're like a drug. They make the person feel good. They, they... It's like you get a high off of them. But the sociopath is a predator and you are their victim. You are their target. It feels like a soulmate connection. And then what happens over time is when he knows that the seduction is working, he knows that you're in love he uses love as a tool and he uses love as a tool to have complete control over you you will be hooked making it less likely that you will leave and this will enable this person to use you for whatever he or she wants they're smart They're really smart, scary smart, psychopathic smart. And in the beginning, you don't see it. In the beginning, you just want a date or you just want a life partner. And over time, you realize that you're in a relationship with a predator. This isn't even a real person. It's a predator. And predators seek to destroy. So over time, you're being whittled away. I think that over time, you know, if people don't get out of the relationship, eventually they just die. Because the predators, you know, like out in the wilderness, predators, there's predators and there's prey. You know, the predators you in out in the wilderness, the predators usually live. The prey die. So Unless you start understanding this and unless you start really registering what's happening to you, if you're in this type of situation and you're the prey, you really need to do something. You need to get out or you need to 
get help, get a therapist, or plan an escape or something. You know, the, the thing that I started doing when I, when I started questioning if, like, this one particular friend was a predator. And I question, because it's a real, it's like you start questioning reality. It's such a head trip. And so what I started doing is I started mirroring her. And I started staying quiet and I started, you know, asking her questions. And it's interesting because this is one thing that I, I've discovered. I'm going to share this with this one particular person that copies everything about you. It's, it's frightening how much she, when I look back, how much she just she copies and I, she doesn't have an identity. It's very borderline personality. But the thing that I discovered is she honestly believes that she loves everyone and that she loves people. And that she hates no one. That's not realistic. We all hate someone. There's always that few people that were like, oh God, I hate that person. Can't stand that person. So for her to be denying her own internal hate was really like a wake up call. Because I think that she's split off her feelings of hate and denied and she denies it because she acts it out. I've physically watched this woman beat her own child when we were younger. So when she says she loves everyone and she she has no hate, I've physically watched her beat her young child when we were young and in our early 20s. And I was horrified. Like I was bawling and I wanted to fly home. We were on a trip together. Horrified. I was horrified. I'd never seen that before. I was never hit as a child, so to watch someone that I know hit and strike her own child, that's an act of hate. That's hate right there. But I, I think there's, there's something just really something with hate. I think they deny their own hate and they... It's really a head trip. That's all I can say. But I will say that you have to protect yourself. Again, it goes back to that analogy of the character holding the jar of happiness. And if you're the person holding that jar of happiness, protect yourself from these predators because they want your happiness. They want your happy spirit. They want what you have. And they will do anything to get it. So when you are a happy spirit, stay that way. Be happy, be a bright light, sparkle, shine, but be careful who who you allow into your circle. Be very careful. And when someone feels like they're too good to be true, they're probably a sociopath. Here are some nine, 10 factors. These are 
10, I'm going to give you a list of 10 things to look for. They're terrible listeners, one. Two, they have extreme self-worth, so they always think they're better than everyone. Three, they seek outside validation. Four, they can't tolerate extreme, they can't tolerate any criticism. Number five, they don't take any responsibility. So if you ever question if they're a sociopath or a narcissist, all you have to do is say, you know what, you hurt my feelings. A healthy, normal person would say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that. A sociopath or narcissist will get very defensive and say, no, I didn't. What are you talking about? You know, they get all crazy. Number six, they're envious. Again, going back to that analogy of the little character holding the jar of happiness. They're envious. They want your happiness. They don't know how to get it. So they try to become you. They try to take what you have. You can't take someone's happiness. You can't take someone's happy spirit. Number seven, they're fake. They copy other people's behaviors. Number eight, they're changing us. We think that they're help, we're helping them. They're changing us. This is a big one. This is number eight. This is the biggest one you need to really listen to. We think that we're helping them. They're changing us through their manipulation and their gaslighting. The friend that I told you that was wearing the same sweater, the same pumps, and the black pants. There, I experienced this Freudian slip yesterday from her, and she texted me, and she meant to say, I don't hate women, but she instead she wrote, I, hit, I don't hit women. I don't hit women. It was a Freudian slip, and it stood out for me. And it goes back to, I think that she was probably beat as a child. I don't hit women. But they're changing us. We think, you know, we think that we're helping them. Stop helping people. That's, that's a big one. Just stop helping people. Let people fuck up their life. Let people drown in their own misery. Stop helping people. If they need help, you know, if a person breaks their arm, what do they do? They go to the medical doctor. If a person has psychological problems, like a sociopath or a narcissist, they need to go to a psychiatrist. It's not your job to fix your friends. You're not a therapist. Stop being a therapist to your friends. Because let me tell you, over time, they'll change you. And you're not equipped to know how to deal with it. Number nine. This is, this is, an, this is more of a, a religious question. Do they have fruit? You know, they, there's a saying that, and I actually like the saying, and if you're not religious, that's okay. You don't have to agree. But a person that has the Holy Spirit inside of them 
has fruit. I'm going to Google the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit because I don't have them memorized. There are 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, and when a person has, and I really believe this, and I see this, when people step away from their faith, and they just step away from the church, or whatever faith they are, it doesn't matter if it's the church or the temple, whatever faith, it doesn't matter. God is, God is God, but people that have the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit inside of them, they're happy. Let me say that again. People that have the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit inside of them, they are happy. So going back to the character of the little you know, character holding the jar of happiness. When you are carrying a jar of happiness, you have the 12 fruits, the Holy Spirit inside of you. And I'm going to tell you what those are. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, in your soul, in your spirit, you have goodness, you have generosity, you have gentleness, you have faithfulness, you have modesty, you have self-control, you have chastity, you have charity, you have joy, you have peace, you have patience, and you have kindness. Those are the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. And those are 12 spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. So when you have those inside of you, and those are in your spirit, in your soul, those are gifts from God. No one can take those away from you. You have pure happiness. The analogy is of it, of you holding a jar with happiness, but no one can take that away from you. A sociopath can mirror you, they can copy you, they can, you know, cut you down, they can copy you, whatever. But if you truly have the 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit inside of you, nothing a sociopath can do can harm you. See, that's, that's the difference. A sociopath does not have God inside of them. They just don't. They can say they do, but they don't. Because if they did, they wouldn't be taking things from other people. They wouldn't want your happiness. They would already have it. That's the secret. That's the secret. That's like the beauty of it. If you have the 12 fruits inside of you from God, you are pure love. You have happiness. 
You have charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. Those are gifts from God. And other people see that. When you are resonating at a high frequency, and you have God inside of you, you're pure happiness. And people that are narcissistic and sociopathic, they're envious of that. That's where bullying comes in. Because they want that. They want to take it from you. So they'll try to chip away at you. They'll try to cut you down. That's why bullies are bullies. They don't have that inside of them. They don't have... That's what's so wonderful about this experience is bullies and sociopaths and narcissists, they don't have happiness at the root of their being. So they they think that they can just take it from someone else. They think that they can con you out of giving it to them. But they can't. It's a gift from God that's inside of us if you really understand it. That's the greatest strength of fighting against a narcissist or a sociopath is if you have the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, you have God inside of you. You have God inside of your your body, inside of your soul. No one can hurt you. And that's a beautiful thing. That's power. That's the greatest power there is. When you have God inside of you and you're happy. And this is the last one, number 10. Sociopaths and narcissists, they will try to divide and conquer. They divide you from your family. They they remove you from your family. Family. But if you have God inside of you, you're strong. Sociopaths and narcissists, you know, it's like vampires. Vampires, they can't harm you when they're in the sun. Vampires seek the darkness. It's very much like sociopaths and narcissists. They seek the darkness too. So when you're standing in the sunshine, vampires can't get you. So you have to stay in the light. Stay in the light to protect yourself. Don't go to their dark side. Protect yourself. 